Good morning. One person said good morning to me. Seriously? <laughs> good morning. It is a good morning. I'm ringing a little bit. Pull back on. Uh, there's probably some reverb or something on there. Um, it has been a week. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But when I was with the Lord this morning, he took me back to something that I had written down, I want to say two weeks ago. I can't remember exactly when I wrote it down, uh, or at least it was written down at two different times. I think one was a Tuesday night, I think something you said, Wendy, and then one was uh, a gifts meeting. But uh, I'm going to share those in a moment, because that's what he took me to this morning. Because we find ourselves in interesting times. And, and I don't mean interesting times like the last six months or the last year or even the last few years, but literally the last few weeks. I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, we've been hit with all this sickness and just weird things, out-of-the-ordinary things, in my opinion. And it's like, okay, you know, you fight in the spirit, and, and it's, it's like, wait a second, this is the thief, thief's been caught, kill him. Right? And you're going after it in warfare, you're going after it in spirit, and it keeps coming, it keeps hitting. And this reminds me of a time... I can't quite get it together in my mind because I think there are pieces the Lord hasn't revealed yet. But it takes me back to three years ago. Right about this time, as a matter of fact, right before COVID was known. If you recall, strange things were happening in this church. We were getting hit in sickness in extraordinary ways. I remember that when Alexis got hit, that is probably the sickest I have ever seen her in her life. We took her via ambulance with 106 degree temperature. Even the ambulance people were kind of freaking out a little bit. But at the time, I remember thinking, man, what is this? You know, and, and we always equate it to warfare. Of course, everything in one way or another is warfare. But yet, looking back on it, there was a purpose. There was a purpose of exposing before being exposed, if that makes sense. Because COVID was about to hit. Many of us had COVID before COVID was known to be COVID. <laughs> so, there was purpose in that. I believe purpose was protection. I believe purpose was also in the thought process and the choice of not closing down, not sequestering ourselves from the world. Strangely enough, I feel like we find ourselves in that position again. And I, like I said, I, I don't have all the pieces. I don't have all the understanding of this, but many of the same things are happening. 
and not all in the same way, but all seeming to circle around sickness of some sort, an ailment of some sort. And I, I'm just wondering if it's happening again. I, I was before the Lord and asking him about it. And I'll share the thoughts that came to my mind. I'm going to classify it like that. I'm not going to classify it as the Lord told me. Although I will say that these, when I was asking him for his insight, these are the thoughts that immediately and randomly came to my mind. That as he did three years ago, he is preparing us for something that's about to come. This one is different than three years ago. Because three years ago, it was an attack from the enemy trying to accomplish a goal. What's about to hit is God's justice that will accomplish a goal. And the next thought I had was that there is a sickness that has been released. Um, I don't know by who. I don't know if it was, you know, God, the enemy, you know, the Chinese. I have no idea. I can say I know God allows it. But what I felt so strongly is that the sickness that is going around now, that in some cases has been pretty bad. I know Michael said that that was the sickest he's been in his life, right? Or second, second sickest he's been. I mean, it was no small thing. Those who have had the vaccine are going to be vulnerable to this. They're going to be vulnerable to this, and it will begin to take life. That's the thought I had. You could take that before the Lord, because I do feel pretty strongly about that. I do want to say, especially being online, for those who have had the vaccination... It's so important to understand what we do when we stand in agreement with things on this earth that have been controlled by the enemy. When we stand in agreement, we make ourselves vulnerable. And, and that's not just about the vaccine. That is literally about everything that we do in our lives. Every place that we stand in agreement, certainly with sin, but it's not just sin, guys. It's when we stand in agreement. I, Alex was sick the last few days, and, and I mean, it must, must have come out of her mouth a hundred times that she will not stand in agreement with this sickness. Didn't mean she didn't have to face it. Didn't mean she didn't have to fight it. But she was not about to stand in agreement with it because it was not something that was created by God. All sickness is from the enemy. It doesn't mean that it's not used by God. 
Now, to those who have had the vaccine, the Lord told us a long time ago, and I, I, when it, I believe when it was first coming out, and, and I, I think that he had me preach on it one Sunday, but there is only one way, if you have taken the vaccine, there is only one way around that. And it's a simple way. It is forgiveness. It is asking the Lord forgiveness for agreement with the enemy. Because it's not just a physical thing. It is a spiritual thing in this warfare that we find ourselves. So I encourage those, especially online, that are listening, that have had the vaccine, ask forgiveness for it. Bind the demonic spirits that were attached to that for the purpose of taking your body down. Bind them, cast cast them to the abyss in Jesus' name. Because what is hitting us now, I really, really believe, is a foreshadowing just like it was three years ago. Only this time... It will accomplish against the enemy what the enemy intended to accomplish with COVID. And it's nothing for us to be afraid of. In fact, it is, you know, it's something that we have to endure, (laughs) you know. I mean, Alexis had to endure it. Korriban had to endure it. I, I don't know that I have ever seen somebody throw up consistently for that amount of time. I mean, it was two days, pretty much, or a day and a half, right? Day and a half. But it, it was like, you know, wow, okay, again. You know, and after the first couple, there's nothing to come up <laughs> anymore. But she still had to fight it. I was so proud of her because through that whole time she was. She was fighting it. She was fighting the enemy. She was declaring her belief in the Lord. She was declaring her love for the Lord, that she chooses him. It doesn't matter what she has to go through. She chooses him. And I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know that I have ever heard her fight like that out loud. But that's what we need to do. Because the enemy is defeated in that. In your own life, all these things swirling around you, every single one of you and every single one of you online is in this warfare and things are happening around you. So it's, it's not that something's happening so, so, you know, call up the pastor so he can fight. No, you're a warrior. You've been called to be a warrior. You've been called to fight. So you fight. You lock arms with those around you, and you fight together. That's what we do here as a church. That's what the body of Christ is to do in these days, because they are beginning. I, I, the Lord wanted me to read to you some of the things that happened this, this past week. But before I do that, let, let's pray. Father, we worship you and we praise you, God. We thank you and we love you. And Lord, we invite 
your Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts to make it fertile ground to hear what you have this morning. That there is nothing that you intend for us that, that we will miss. Burn it deep into our hearts, Father. I give you my mouth. I give you my mind, my will. I give you my hands and my feet. I give you everything that I am to do with as you will. I knowingly and willingly say, yes, do your will, Father. For Jesus paid for that. And I give my agreement to you. Speak through me according to your will. And Lord, as you have prepared us to fight, now give us the speed and give us the accuracy to fight with efficiency. It is time for mountains to be moved. It is time for the enemy to be knocked off his place of power. I thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us to live in this time that is truly a privilege. Use us according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. The two things that I wrote down before we get into this week, because it kind of goes with it. The two things the Lord had me write down over the last couple of weeks. The first was, I'll use what you give me. I think that came on a Tuesday night. I couldn't remember. And then Alex said, oh no, that was a Tuesday night. That was Wendy. (laughs) I'll use what you give me. The Lord is not going to take from you anything that you are not willing to give. Because it requires sacrifice. Jesus had to sacrifice to pay for everything. In fact, he sacrificed everything to pay for everything. So why wouldn't we think that there is going to be a cost to us? Of course we do. I I would assume that's a natural thought. But when we get into the day-to-day battle of that, that's when we're faced with very difficult choices. Because when we're fighting something or we're fighting for somebody else, when we see things going on around us, swirling in this world and everything else that just isn't right, isn't fair, are we going to stand up? Are we going to lock arms? Are we going to move forward? Or are we going to sit and wait for God to do it? One of the things that drives me nuts, and forgive me for saying this, but one of the things that drives me nuts that I hear all the time out of Christians' mouths is, well, if it's God's will, he'll do it. I'll just let him do it. When the whole time he's saying, it's my will and I need you to help me do it. You look in the Word of God, and every move of God, He used people to do it with. Why? Because we're supposed to be His partners. 
Adam and Eve were supposed to be his partners, and they started out that way until it was stolen, or given away, really. We're supposed to be his partners. With his kingdom coming to earth, he will come to earth. He will not, if you're just waiting for him to come and zap, 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 and kill everything that's bad and just be here, and now you get to worship in freedom, and you, man, alive, where's the payment in that? Where's the cost in that? Where's the drawing close to him in that? If you want to know the closest people on this earth, historically, the closest people on this earth are people that fought together in the trenches. I've heard so many stories from people, from men who were in the military that had fought in battle Side by side with somebody else. That bond was so tight. That's what happens when you fight together. That's what happens when, when somebody puts a prayer request on God's squad or somebody puts it out to the church and we all engage and we pray together. Doesn't mean we all come to the church and we're physically together and praying. No, but we're all engaged. We're all single-focused and engaged. Boy, that's, that's what's different. That's what he wants the bride to be. But he says, I will use what you give me. That means he cannot use what you don't give him. What we choose not to give him, what we hide within ourselves... The little pieces of our life that we don't want to give up to Him. That we don't want to expose to Him. Which is kind of silly, because He sees everything. We don't want to lose control of this piece, but we give Him all of these. Well, guess what? Then there's a portion of that control He can't use because you're not giving it to Him. What He wants is there to be nothing that we don't give Him. We give Him everything. We give Him things we're not even aware of. Just like David prayed, I think, in Psalm 139, show me anything, anything that stands between you and I in unrighteousness. Why? Because David's motivation was to have it clear, to have it pure. Those are the warriors he is rising up today. Those who will give Him everything. Everything. And it doesn't matter the cost. They understand the cost because they recognized what Jesus paid. But more than that, a real warrior today recognizes the prize. The prize is intimacy with Jesus Christ. Why do you think Abraham, who, who longed for that city, it says in Hebrews 11, longed for that city whose foundation was made by the Holy Spirit, but never saw it. And all of the heroes of faith in, in, in Hebrews 11 saw that city afar off, but never saw it. Or never, never got to be in that time frame. Well, guess what, guys? We have a responsibility because we are 
in that time frame. That's what he is doing now. That was not heaven that they were talking about. Those foundations built by God. That was in the physical realm. That was in the realm in which we, we recognize we live every day. That is literally his kingdom coming here, which Jesus said while he was alive on this earth. His kingdom coming here. Not his, his capability of you accepting him into your heart and then dying and going to heaven. Where's the conquering in that? There is no conquering in that. And yet that's what he's called us to do. And we live in a time in which we will see it. Because it's time for his bride to come together. It's time for his bride to say yes and be unified and fight the enemy that no longer has the right to be here. It was paid for already. It was paid 2,000 years ago. We are sitting under the thumb of someone who, be, who should be sitting under ours. Think about that. Think about your own home right now. Okay? Let's say in your own home, a person that is your enemy, or certainly not your friend, is there and takes over your whole house. And says, you, you, can, you can sleep in the backyard or there's a car out there. You can see, sleep in the car. How would you feel about that? I mean, that, that would kind of irritate you, right? Effectively, that's what he's done. He has not been kicked off yet of a place that is no longer his right to carry authority. But it's through our agreements that he gets to stay. Well, that's over. That is over with. He no longer has that right. Now he is simply a trespasser. And I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about the world. Jesus didn't just pay for the United States. Jesus didn't just pay for Israel. He didn't just pay for, you know, Middle East or whatever. He paid for the world. He paid for everything. And he's saying to his bride, it's time to engage and to come and take what is rightfully yours. So who needs to be kicked off? The people that we see? No. It's the authority behind the people that we see. The authorities that are sent from the enemy to control this place. So I go back to what God said. He'll use what we give Him. I ask you, church, will you give Him everything? I ask online, will you give Him everything? Because God will unite those who do. And He is uniting those who do. And and by the way, I want to take a moment for those online to just say this. God is uniting us all over the world. It does not have to be a physical uniting. That's not the power. The power is in the Spirit. 
The power is not me coming there to India, to Pakistan, to all the places that I get so many emails from. It's not about me coming there. It's about you engaging in the Spirit and fighting as we do here. He is the one uniting us. Be encouraged about that. Be encouraged because He is uniting us all over the world. And I'll say this for for your sakes here. I get hundreds of messages every day from people all over the world that want this fellowship, that want this connection. And that's why I'm saying that online right now, because it's not about a physical connection. And, and that, that perhaps will come, but it's about Him uniting the bride in the Spirit. He will use what we give Him if we give Him everything. Guess what? He won't set it aside. He'll use it. He'll use everything that you give Him. The next saying that I wrote down, I believe came out of a, the Lord told it to me during a gifts meeting. And it's, I wrote it down, it says, maturity is where obedience becomes desire. Maturity is where obedience becomes desire. When you start out obeying mom and dad, it's kind of like, you know, I'm doing this because I don't want to get spanked. Or I'm doing this because I don't want to get put on restriction. Or I'm doing this because of, you know, I don't know, they'll take me to McDonald's. (laughs) Whatever. It's when that obedience, which by the way, the obedience is good. When I obeyed, I didn't get spanked. Right? I got to do fun things. But maturity came when I realized that obedience was something I wanted. That there was something in that obedience that brought me to a place in life that I wanted to be. That is where maturity comes in our relationship with Jesus Christ. When our obedience is not a white-knuckled obedience anymore. But our obedience is a desire to move in that obedience because of what He has done and is doing. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's huge. We want to work toward that. That maturity in Jesus Christ. Because in this day, in this age, if you're alive at this time in history, which I assume if you're listening to me, you're called to be a warrior. That's, that's a tough thought. Because some people don't think they're built to be warriors. Because a warrior is mean and nasty and, you know, kind of cuts the corners and takes advantage and all of this. That isn't what a true warrior is. A true warrior is one who stands against evil regardless. A true warrior is one who creates a barrier for others to bring them to safety. 
See, the true warrior is one that has a heart for God and a disdain for the enemy. You know, David said in the Psalms, he said, I hate those who hate you. I hate your enemies. I hate them with a holy hatred. Now, wait a second. I I didn't think we were supposed to hate. I didn't think we were supposed to feel that way about other people. I think you need to recognize who the real opponent is. It's not the person or the neighbor who is giving you a hard time. It's not the person who tries to shut down your church during COVID because they just want to shut down a church, which, by the way, drives me nuts that he got reelected. Whatever. I won't derail. See, he is not the enemy. What is behind him is. What is behind him and pushing him is. And that's where you have an opportunity to fight. See, you can't go, well, I suppose you could, but you shouldn't go over to his house and fight. Come on out. Put up your dukes. What's that going to accomplish? But yet from your seat, you can take on in prayer the forces that are behind him that give him authority. That give him power. This is the same all throughout the the leadership of any country. That's why a real uprising, which you're seeing happen, by the way. I, I know Julie had said, the Lord said through Julie, watch Brazil. Well, guess what? Watch Brazil. I have family down in Brazil and, and the uprisings going on down there. Watch China. I don't have any family there, but my dad was born in China, so I could claim it. Watch China. Watch the uprising in China. What's going on there? Watch Iran. They have been suppressing things. And I I think Iran started before any of them. I think Iran's been going on for, for, I mean, well, well into months, maybe even a little longer. Where they're, they're starting to stand up and protest and fight. But where is the real power? The real power is in the church coming together, united in prayer and fighting. And fighting. Not, Lord, just, just help us to, to do your will. And, and, Lord, if this is your will, then, you know, help us to just endure and la, 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 la. Man, please don't waste your time and don't waste mine. Don't waste the bride's time. The Lord will show you who is the enemy. If you don't know his will, get into his word. You're not in his word enough if you don't know his will. Because you know through his will the enemy is in a place they're not supposed to be. They, they no longer have a right to be there. They're just there. So you have a right to go after him. Go after him in prayer. That's what the Lord had us do down in D.C. I, I said there was something coming. I, I think I, I talked last week about, uh, about a final principality being 
sent to the abyss. And I, I'm not going to re-go through all that. You can pull up last week if you want to. But when we went down there, the Lord said, before you go to these places and do the declaration, which I am going to read here in a minute, he wanted me to read to you. He said, you need to come before my court, the court of nations. There is something he laid on my heart. I really thought that we would have done it a week before. But when I asked him, he said, no, it is not time. It needs to be down in D.C. So I waited. But when I, when I went down and we went before the Lord, we went to the court of nations, which is a different court. I've explained before. I want to read to you what my request was before the court. Because it has heavy ramifications. And, and, and I know the, the guys this morning in the, in the guys class, I think last week and this week talked about the Nephilim and, and what that was all in Genesis 6 and how it's after and all that. So, so this will perhaps make a little more sense to you after this morning. But in, once we got through some of the pomp and, and circumstance of, of starting in the court, the father said, proceed. I said, Father, the prosecution puts forth this one who is called Satan. He had already been called to the courtroom, and he had been brought in in chains. Who in courtroom decisions past has has been clearly defined and named as the top authority. Even in your word, he has been described as the dragon and the one who is the prince and the power of this heir. The very chains on his body right now are representative of those court cases where the verdicts were chained to him. So it has been rightly and exhaustively established that he is the top of the enemy's side. All that is done under him flows to him because they are the armies that he ultimately commands. He set up his rankings this way all the way back and before the Tower of Babel. Over the years, he has built up a storehouse of thefts. For when he was given through, for when he was given through deception originally through Eve, but then by decision through Adam, when Lucifer was given the deed to this earth, it was not just his to do with whatever he wanted. I want want you to understand this is being presented before a court presented before the Father. As you required in Psalm 82, it was still his to steward. In other words, what was given by Adam to to Lucifer was still required of Lucifer to steward it properly. If you don't understand that, go, go understand Psalm 82, because that was the Lord's judgment on those principalities that did not steward properly what the Lord gave. There was still expectation of stewarding well what he was put in charge of, even though it was by man's choice and man's sin. You made this clear in Psalm 82 over those in your council that you had been given the nations to, and it says they stewarded wrong. I submit the evidence has been clear in previous court sessions that Lucifer has stewarded wrong. He is stewarded out of selfishness. He is stewarded out of pride. 
He has stewarded to take the very glory that is yours and yours alone. I do not need to argue this point because it, is, it has been well established. He is a thief. He has gone beyond what was said was his to take, especially when your son purchased it back 2,000 years ago. When your son Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood and gave his life. It was not just for our lives. It was for the very reception of creation that was stolen, that was given by Adam, but stolen by Lucifer. That debt in your courtroom was satisfied with the perfect life of Jesus Christ. That debt has been paid for, and he now sits at your right hand awaiting for you to make his enemies his footstool. Father, what he has purchased back 2,000 years ago made it even more theft when Satan is taken from your children. Even now he continues to steal. All of this is well known. All of this is well documented in your scriptures, in the annals of this courtroom, even in the day-to-day situations on this earth, even now as we speak, for it all falls under him. What I am here to plead, Father, is that the thief a long time ago was caught. And he has been caught over and over again. Time and time he has been brought to this courtroom. And by the verdict, it was declared that he was caught. This thief who is required to pay sevenfold, even by your own words, Father, it is a debt he can no longer repay. He does not have the resources to pay What is owed? Father, what my request is, is flesh be paid with flesh. What the the enemy can no longer repay, I request that it be taken out of the flesh of his seed that is now living upon this earth. And Father, I am not talking about a sickness. I am talking about pain. I am not talking about pain. I am talking about death. And because his seed is both flesh and spirit, when the flesh dies, the spirit becomes demonic. I ask, Father, that not only the payment be made by their flesh and their flesh die, but their spirit also be immediately bound and be cast to the abyss, all in Jesus' name. For he cannot pay. And because he has not been a wise king, a wise leader to look at the battlefield and look at the opposition and decide if he could conquer them or not, because he has not had this wisdom, I ask that it overtake him overwhelmingly. He cannot pay sevenfold, which is due to a thief that has been caught. He knew this before he did. He He was not wise in his declaration and waging of war. So I ask that seven, that a sevenfold payment be negated in Jesus' name. For when Peter asked your son, how often are we to forgive? Seven times, Lord? And the Lord said, no, 70 times seven. The inference was of that, of that was unlimited, but the declaration was specific, 490 times. That was the number of years that you forgave Israel for not giving you the land. This is offered by your son as an example, and it is what I ask in this courtroom. That for every grievance, everything he takes from one of your own, from one of your children, 
And not just from here on out, but going back in time to the point where Jesus paid for the world. I ask that Satan's sons and daughters, those from his own seed, and those that are under him pay with their lives and their spirits 70 times 7. Lord, to be specific, for each one, each grievance, Satan is to lose 490 of his own children. Father, I ask this not only include those alive today, but he will go through those quickly. I ask, Father, that it also apply to the demonic spirits, the millions upon millions that have been released since it all began, since his angels first slept with the daughters of men. I ask for a depletion of his army for them to be bound and cast to the abyss, which is where they will remain until a given time. You have given me the keys to the lock that is around Satan's neck. So I ask for this verdict to be given here in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. Then the father said, granted, the gavel went down. He said, granted again, the gavel went down. And he said, granted a third time. One last time, the gavel went down. All the while this is happening, a stake appeared behind Satan. When he said granted the first time, it appeared. And when he said granted the second time, the stake peg plunged into Satan's chest. And when the gavel went down the third time, it drove Satan to the floor and staked him to the floor. He is not dead, but he is staked to the floor. That happened in the court before we went out to do the declarations. Then the Lord sent us. And by the way, the reason he wanted me to share that with you is because you're a warrior. You have to understand what is in your quiver, what arrows are in your quiver, what arrows you could send at the enemy. We have a declaration, we have a verdict from the Father that everything that comes against us without authority is theft. When you recognize that theft and you call out that theft, call out this court case and say, I I demand justice by God's perfect justice, what he declared in the court. For each grievance, it is 490, 490 of those demonic spirits, whether alive today, in the flesh as Nephilim, in that bloodline, or demonic spirits going all the way back to Jesus' payment on the cross. You can imagine there are millions and millions and millions and millions of demonic spirits, right? I mean, I think we would all be in agreement of that, right? That is like an overwhelming army. Not so much when each time they hit you, you're hitting back 490 times, and you're not just making them sick. You're not just making them hurt a little bit. You are relieving them of their life. They are being cast to the abyss. Use this. 
This is a tool the Lord has given us. Use it. Believe it and use it. So then the Lord took us, and I'm going to read these declarations. There were two declarations given. The Lord had given me, uh, I guess about a week and a half before, and told me to hold them until we went. He took us to the Capitol building first and then to the Washington Monument. So I'll read the Capitol building first. When we got to the Capitol, there were uh, the court team, which is 12 of us, plus Tewase, who was invited to be a witness. And the declaration given at the Capitol building was this. And there is just a, a half a line that I am going to leave out, which the Lord told me to leave out for the purpose of right now. But Let it be established and proclaimed that the judgment of my father's enemies has begun and the restitution of my father's remnant begins now. For a curse has gone out throughout the whole earth that says, for everyone who steals shall be cleared away. And everyone who swears falsely in the name of God, of the God of creation will be cleared away. The Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ, decrees and I hereby command to a representative angel, pass through this city, Washington, D.C., and place a mark on the foreheads of the men and women who sigh and groan over all of the abominations that are committed in it and throughout this land. Include in your past all of the people of the Senate, the House of Representatives, judicial and executive branch of this nation that claim representation in this city. You will also mark all redeemable children who have not yet reached an age of accountability. When the pass is complete and all to be marked are marked I then release in unity with this team now represented here an angel of death to pass through this city and strike. Your eyes shall not spare and you shall show no pity. You are to kill. But touch no one on whom bears the mark. They are to be left alone and protected. I further condemn this Capitol building that has stood in representation and symbolism of authority under demonic gods that stand against the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The walls of this building are to be destroyed all the way down to the foundation and the very cornerstone placed on this building with symbolism is to be completely and fully uprooted. All hidden documents and truths that have been hidden in this building are to be laid bare and made fully transparent for the world to see what the thief has done. The thief has been caught, and all that has been stolen will be returned to their rightful inheritors. The debt that now falls on this thief that he cannot pay will be taken from the flesh of his seed. I declare it in Jesus' name. Let it be known throughout this land that the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ, will rule and will rule completely. I hereby claim ownership of this nation for Jesus Christ and his will be done. All demonic strongholds over the land in this nation are hereby given notice that they no longer have authority to be here and must vacate now. If you do not vacate, 
you will be removed with extreme prejudice. All of these declarations are done in the name of the King, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior and our friend, Jesus Christ. Then the team separately gave their agreement in Jesus' name. And I ended it by saying, let it be done according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we moved to the Washington Monument. And by by the way, I want to mention, the reason I am mentioning this online is not so I have the Secret Service come over to my house tomorrow. Let me make clear, this is declarations that we are declaring in the Spirit, which you should be way more afraid of. But the reason why is because these tapes are going to be seen in the future. Months from now, I don't know, whenever. Because people are going to wonder what God is doing, and they're going to be drawn. They're going to be drawn to this church. They're going to be drawn to his remnant all over the world. And they're going to be drawn and they're going to see the evidence of what God has done over the past few years. So this is simply an external recording of that. So the next place he sent us was was down to the Washington Monument, which if you didn't know, historically has been the throne of the principality over this region. Remember I said weeks ago that the world was broken up into seven regions at the Tower of Babel. And these principalities, seven principalities that we see in Revelation, were sent to be stewards of each of those areas where where God said in Deuteronomy 32, I am giving the nations their inheritance. In other words, I'm giving them what they wanted. They want to believe in these foreign gods? Fine. You can have them. Good luck with that. Well, there was one sent here. And through the power of of what was not only stolen by him, but given to him, this monument was erected. And there are all kinds of conspiracy theories and everything about this monument. And, and, And I'll tell you what, guys, I am not a conspiracy theorist. But there's also evidence that slaps you in the face. If you deny that because of the thought of being conspiracy, that's not conspiracy. That's just the fact that you're blind. You're flat blind. You're flat blind if you don't believe the Masonic Temple is trying to run everything in this world. You're flat blind. They are the ones who built this temple, really, the Washington Monument. And it just happened to be the throne of power, God showed us this five or six years ago when he first told me it would come down. That it's the the seat of power for the principality in this region, which was, or is, Abaddon. Which, by the way, Abaddon, of those seven principalities and their seven under them in each area, the only one, the only one that was not in the abyss was Abaddon. And there was a reason for that I'm not going to get into this morning, but that reason was fulfilled. So when he sent us there, it was for the purpose of binding and casting. So this was the declaration at the monument. Abaddon, you have sat upon this place of power and have taken advantage of those 
you were required to steward. You have been weighed, measured, and have been found wanting. Already you have been found guilty in the courts and are deserving of death. I hereby release Fanuel and Michael to completely bind Abaddon in heavy chains and secure him with your hands. I now command you to cast him completely into the abyss in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. As was claimed at the Capitol building, this region and the authority over it is claimed for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is no longer under the authority of Abaddon or any under him who have taken authority in this region. I declare and command the eviction of all of Satan's forces from this land. You no longer hold the authority or the right to control this land or the portal represented by this monument. And I claim authority over this land and this portal in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts. He is the true authority and he is the landlord of the earth. Your eviction is final and incontestable as it has been decided by the Father in the court of nations. I release two of my special angels in conjunction with the rest of my team that will release theirs. You are to each work in unity to keep all trespassers off of this land and off of the spirit flow portal which, on which it stands. Any human or Nephilim which, which that attempts to work through this portal or on this land is sentenced to death. And you are to take their lives and the spirits of any Nephilim are to be cast to the abyss. I command the waters that flow underneath this monument out to this region to be completely cleansed and are to be monitored by these angels that are being released. The seat of power represented by this monument in this entire region is now claimed under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and are His. I further condemn this monument that has stood as the throne in representation and symbolism of authority under demonic gods that stand against the true God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob. The walls of this monument are to be destroyed all the way down to the foundation, and the very cornerstone placed on this monument with symbolism is to be completely uprooted. All hidden documents and truths that have been hidden in this monument are to be laid bare and made fully transparent for the world to see. All these declarations are done in the name of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, and our friend. Jesus Christ. When the Lord told me five years ago that that monument was coming down, it's so funny because all these things that I'm saying this morning, even for people here, but certainly for people online, certainly people that have been uh, against us, They're fantastic to believe. They're difficult to believe. It's hard to believe. Nevertheless, the Lord lays it before your plate and asks for your faith. See, it's one thing to believe before you see. It's another thing to believe when you see. Because there is, and the Lord said this, Recently, he said there is a time when faith will manifest and will become reality. There is a time. Abraham, who waited for the promise, did see the manifestation of his son. 
what has been promised to us will be made manifest. In fact, we're seeing it. We're seeing the turbulence that that warfare has started. It's all over the world. I mean, I mean, think about what's coming out now. The, the enemy who has had such a lockdown on everything, some guy who just had money burning in his pocket decides to spend $45 billion to buy Twitter to, to do what? To, to make it a money-making problem? No. He even stated that out loud. He said, no, it's about truth. Now, this is coming out of a person's mouth who I don't believe is a Christian. But he's being used. Right? These things are coming out. Do you think the enemy intended that? No. Do you think the, the things that are coming out of Biden's mouth, do you think the things that are coming out of all these people's mouths are intended by the enemy? If they are, he's pretty stupid. I mean, he really is. Think about it. I mean, you want to talk about not having your finger on the pulse of America. That's been the case for a long time, and yet these are the people that supposedly you're representing. No, it's, it's because the enemy can't control it anymore. Because God's taken away their organization. Do you recognize that? Do you recognize that the top seven principalities in this world that had control over everything and the top seven under each one of them are gone? They're gone. They're in the abyss. By the way, if, if you don't believe they're in the, if, if you need proof of that, Revelation 9-11 says that they come up from the abyss. So unless it's a weekend home for them, they got to go to the abyss. That's what's happening now. And it's not just supposed to be them. It is supposed to be all demonic spirits, all demonic principalities, which, what is the difference? Principalities are about Authority and land ownership. Literally, they pull land. That's what they did at Babel. That's what they were given. They are about the authority of the land. Demonic spirits, it, it really depends on, on their authority of when they were and what they were when they died because demonic spirits were, were human Nephilim that the body died just like it says in Genesis 6. None of these have the right to control you. None. None. None of them have the right to this nation anymore. None. So fight the fight. Be on your knees. Pray. Pray and in the Spirit, claim your right why, why, why would God do this, this court case just pronouncing, you know, the, the 490 for, for one? Why? Why doesn't he just do it? Why would he compel me to take that to court? Why? Because he wants you to recognize it and he wants you to use it. It's no different than in His Word. When He gives you something in His Word to claim, He wants you to hold on to it. 
to use it, to declare it. Because one, you're declaring truth. But two, you're standing in agreement with his truth. He wants you to engage in the war. He wants you to engage. Now, I don't know when these things are going to happen. I knew five years ago when he told me that that Washington Monument was coming down. And I remember he had me say it on a Sunday morning. And I think that was one of the first times we had, you know, all the critics. You know, whatever. And I remember thinking five years ago, okay, I'm watching the news every day. (laughs) Come on, is it coming down? Oh, it's swaying a little bit. Then there'd be a report come out that lightning hit it and something cracked or whatever. I don't know. Guys, it's not going to be anything that is not obvious. It will be obvious. God will crush it and it will be God. It will not be a plane that flies into the Washington Monument or into the Capitol. It will be the hand of God. Whatever that looks like, I don't know, but it will be clear that it is him. And, and I could probably count no less than five or six people that, that said to me over the years that as soon as that, as soon as that Washington Monument comes down, I, I'm just, I'm moving up there and I'm going to live in Delaware. <laughs> what they're saying is, I don't quite believe you right now. But when it happens, I'll believe you. Guys, believe God beforehand. Be part of the solution. Be part of the team that is going in this fight. Because it's, it's happening. Do, do you know, by the way, the, the very declaration that he had me do at the Washington Monument, he has already done in two other of those regions. The first was Stonehenge. And that was done, was it June, I think? And then the same trip, he had me do it over Zuma Rock which was in Nigeria. And that was, that was the, the seat of authority for the Af- that African region. So this was the third. In fact, it, it, I remember coming off that trip thinking, okay, let, let's go to the others. Let's do them right now. And it wasn't time yet. But now it's time. Now it's time to be in this fight. Now it's time to be in this war. And... I'm not going to go any further with this, but I, I want to leave you with a place the Lord took me this morning, and it's Exodus chapter 17. I'm just going to read through it and just make a couple of quick comments. Exodus 17, we're going to start at verse 8. This, this was the war um, with Amalek. Verse 8 says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. 
So they took a stone and put it under him, and, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. By the way, that was an example of one of the the groups that God said, wipe them all out, right? And there, there's reason for that because of Nephilim bloodlines. But, but I want you to notice something here. I want you to think of Moses representing the Holy Spirit's power. It has power to do everything that God has said he's going to do. There is nothing, no shortage of power with God. There's no shortage of power. And yet, they still had to fight. Some were called to hold up Moses' arms. Some were called to take out a sword and fight, but they were all called. Right? They all had a purpose. But I want you to notice that it took engagement to make it so. It wasn't just, Lord, help us, and the Lord sent down his power. The Lord had his power, but he required their engagement. You know, why, why, didn't, why didn't he just have the power of the Holy Spirit kill them all? You know, kill all the enemy. I mean, he did that. In other situations, he certainly could do that. He didn't have to have them fight. But it's because God is looking for partners. He's looking for a family that will say yes to him and will do what he asks with joy. See, it really comes down to him asking you, what will you give me? He'll use what you give him. But what you give him determines how he uses you. It takes that engagement because he wants partners in this. Come on up. We were reading in the ladies' class in James 1.4 about, in the Amplified Translation, about building enduring faith. And when you are building enduring faith, what... God does is he allows you to become fully developed, in the Amplified it says, um, with no defect, without defects. And part of going through difficult times and still choosing him and still saying yes builds in us a belief that will endure even through difficult times. Um, Everything that it certainly has taken in my life to believe for what God is doing has taken a moment of seeing something new in his word, a moment of dealing with trials and all kinds of circumstances, and in every case, choosing to submit to the Lord and to surrender to him. And so the only thing I want to say before we close in prayer this morning is the... The declarations that God gives you to declare over the enemy's loss that came at the cross, 
okay, and that Jesus gave us in our authority because of his payment does come with purity. There's a real need to, purity is a key component. It isn't just being willing to shout some words. It comes with a deep surrender to his way, with walking in um, a confession of all sin and an awareness that it is his way and not ours, and in a humbling ourselves to learning of him. And messages like this bring you to a place of either um, a choice to believe, and that doesn't mean you don't have questions. You can have lots of questions. and Feel free to ask them. The Lord, he never rejects your questions. Um, but it does come to a choice of believing or a place of offense. And uh, that's absurd. I won't believe for that because I've never heard that before. And that's where we can get off track really quickly. When we're not willing to be a Berean, when we're not willing to say, okay, Lord, your ways are higher. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, they're just higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So surely there's going to be things that we don't understand, especially about the kingdom ways. And so... Just understand that when he said use it and, and use these declarations, it does come when we are fully submitted to him. Because when the enemy has an agreement with us, when we've given agreement to the enemy, that is used like a legal document in the judicial system of heaven. It's used as a legal document to come against us. The only way that's broken is by our confession of sin. And because of the blood of Jesus covering us, 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sin, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us and cleanse us. Once we're cleansed and forgiven, then we have the authority to take it. We're given the authority, but not when we give willful agreement. So, um, And, of course, the authority is given to believers. So there are some things that um, are very clear in Scripture and easy to understand, but... Um, but be sure to, to know that he wants to just um, give us the confidence to know who he is and who we are in him so we can walk in that kind of authority. Um, I'm, I'm just so thankful for all that he's doing right now. And um, we're going to see these things. We really are. We're going to see these things. And, um, and I'm, I want to close in prayer and just... Um, Let's just pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you are doing at this time and what you are revealing at such a time as this. God, I just praise you for the wisdom, the revelation that is giving us the choice to submit ourselves to you, to seek your face, and to know that through building close relationship with you that you offer, God, it reveals to us that it really is you that's speaking to us. We don't have to fear we're being infiltrated by some false reality or false spirit. Because when we really know you, we'll know your voice. We'll know what you're saying. We'll know your word. And so, God, I praise you for what you've offered to us and for what you're revealing to us, that if we're willing to just accept and receive it, God, you will keep that 
which we have committed to you, if we are seeking you with all of our heart, as believers, you will keep that committed to us against that day. God, you are faithful. You are faithful that if we seek you, we will find you. God, I just, I just praise you, God, for, what, for the, all the confirmations you have given and that you will give. Thank you, God, that when we have questions and when we go to your word and we're willing to be open, when we're willing to cast down in our, our own intellects things that we think we understand about you and come with just an open, hungry heart to see more of who you really are and your ways, God, that you will reveal. You're such a good, good father. And you're, you're willing to reveal. When, when we can be trusted because we believe you, you can entrust us with more of you. And so, God, I just pray that for each person listening today to this sermon. While it might be a difficult swallow, God, it is. You are doing great and mighty things among us. And I just love the personal confirmations that even even as Greg began to speak about this, I happened to look at my phone and saw 1111. And God, there's just so many ways that you communicate with us that, yes, your justice is coming because you are holy and you demand a response of your people and of your creation to, to bring you the glory and the honor that you deserve. I certainly thank you for your mercy and your grace in my own life when I was not walking with you, not walking certainly close to you at all, walking in my own understanding of religion. You were so kind and so gracious to, to pull me into a, an intimate understanding of who you really are through so many different things. God, you're working in each of our lives to do that very thing, that we might know you and have your mind and have your heart. So, God, I just praise you. You are so, so loving, so wonderful. We just worship you with all of our hearts this morning, God. And I pray that you would give more understanding as to what you're doing, that as these things manifest in this realm at this time, God, that it would just be just an amazing confirmation and an assurance that we are um, seeing your hand move. And I pray, God, that we would be so anchored upon you, Lord Jesus, as our rock and our solid foundation, that we will not be shaken as things are shaken around us. We just love you so much. And I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.